0: There are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to vision. However and wherever you listen to vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020
1: on Vision. On Tuesday and a very significant week, not only here in Australia with the way the election is unfolding, the campaigning continues, we'll be at the polls on Saturday, but also things that are developing around the world which might not get the same spotlight. But a good opportunity today to look at some of those things that are happening in particularly the Middle East uh, with the US and the way the US is influencing things that are unfolding right now. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines overnight and back with us once again. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020.
0: Yeah, good morning, Neil.
1: Hey, Ron, let's talk about some of these headlines. The Trump administration's Middle East peace plan will be announced next month. But there are some concerns right now. How do the headlines look?
0: Yeah, last month the US President Donald Trump's senior advisor and son-in-law Jared Kushner said the plan would be presented sometime after the Muslim season of Ramadan, which ends on June 4. In an interview with Fox News over this weekend, Jason Greenblatt, uh, Trump's special representative for international negotiation, uh, said after the Jewish festival, the Feast of Shavuot, on June 9, uh, that's going to be the target date for the presentation of the plan. The intention to present the Middle East plan next month comes against the advice of some, such as the Washington Institute for Near East Policy, the Executive Director, Robert Satloff, who has written twice in the last month, to present a plan that in the current environment, it's already doomed. It's doomed to fail and is very ill-advised. And Channel 13 reported on Sunday that former IDF Chief of Staff Gaddy Eisenkot, had a meeting with Greenblatt and 10 Mideast experts from the Washington Institute and other think tanks last week said that there could be a violent escalation in the West Bank and that the Trump administration should take this into account. According to the report, Eisenkot told Greenblatt that the West Bank, once this, gen- uh, once this genie is out of the bottle, it will take five years to put it back in. Greenblatt is reported to have responded that the Trump administration is aware of the risks but does intend publishing the plan in the coming weeks.
1: Well, it's one that we certainly will be following in the weeks ahead, and it's not the only big development that is going on in the Middle East. The USA is sending an assault ship and missiles to the Middle East amid mounting threats from Iran. What's the story there, Ron?
0: Yeah, this is the second assault ship to go into the region. The Pentagon announced that it's deploying an amphibious assault ship and a Patriot missile battery to the Middle East to bolster an aircraft carrier force sent to counter alleged threats from Iran. The USS Arlington, which transports Marines, amphibious vehicles, conventional landing craft and rotary aircraft, and the Patriot Air Defense System will join the USS Abraham Lincoln carrier strike group and a B-52 bomber task force headed towards the Gulf after intelligence reports suggested Iran was planning some sort of attack in the region. The deployment is in response to indications of heightened Iranian readiness to conduct offensive operations against U.S. forces and our interests. The Pentagon uh, Pentagon said in a statement, uh, this is a critical situation and one we need to be praying about and watching carefully.
1: And uh, let's stay with Iran for a few moments because quite often uh, on a program like this, we'll talk about the growth of Christianity in nations around the world and Iran often comes up because of the huge growth of Christianity within that nation, which is an Islamic nation, and it's interesting that there's been some confirmation of that because the intelligence minister in Iran is concerned now with the growth of Christianity. How's the story unfolding here?
0: Yeah, Mahmoud Alavi openly expressed concern over the weekend about the spread of Christianity in the Islamic Republic and said that some converts to Christianity were summoned to explain why they converted The 65-year-old Alavi gave a speech before Shia clerics on Saturday, the day before the beginning of Ramadan. According to the International Shia News Association, Alavi blamed evangelical propaganda as being complicit to the increase in Iranian Muslims converting to Christianity in certain areas of Iran. Despite Christianity being criminalized in a country where the government is entangled with hardline Islam, the nation is experiencing one of the fastest evolving underground church movements in the world. Alavi said that in a city like Hamadan, a province in northwest Iran, the government was given no choice but to summon Muslim converts to Christianity to ask why they had embraced Christianity. Some of them said that they were seeking a religion that would calm us and establish us as a brotherhood, Alavi was quoted as saying. He said, we told them that Islam is a brotherhood. They said, we see that the scholars of Islam and those who talk behind the podium talk continually against each other. If Islam is a religion of peace, then first of all, one must create peace between its scholars.
1: Well, we're always concerned, Ron, when there are those who rise up to authority and then differentiate friends and enemies and then try to eliminate their enemies. New reports, and you've got the headlines here, that persecution of Christians in the Middle East is coming close to genocide. We didn't think it was getting this bad. What are the headlines reporting overnight?
0: Well, persecution of Christians sometimes amounting to genocide is ongoing in parts of the Middle East and has prompted an exodus in the past two decades, according to a report commissioned by the British Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt. Millions of Christians in the region have been uprooted from their homes. Many have been killed, kidnapped, imprisoned and discriminated against the report finds. It also highlights discrimination across Southeast Asia Sub-Saharan Africa, and in East Asia, often driven by state authoritarianism. The inconvenient truth the report finds is that the overwhelming majority, 80% of persecuted religious believers are Christians. Some of the report's findings will make difficult reading for leaders across the Middle East who are accused of either tolerating or instigating persecution.
1: And an Australian connection in this story, Ron, where the grandson of an Auschwitz survivor from the Holocaust who was a victim of the infamous Joseph Mengele has moved from Melbourne to serve in the Israeli Defence Force. Uh, How does this one look?
0: Eva Slonim was a victim of Mengele's horrific experiments in Auschwitz. Her grandson Ronan's revenge is proudly defending the Jewish people. When Eva Slonin was a 12-year-old girl, she was tortured by the notorious Joseph Mengele in Auschwitz. Stories of her harrowing years in the uh, Shoah, the Holocaust, and her defiant path to rebuilding her life after the war left an indelible mark on her grandson. Last year, at age 24, Ronan left his comfortable life in Melbourne, Australia, and moved to Israel, where he's serving in the paratrooper unit. From his army base, where he is midway through advanced combat training, Ronan spoke to H.com, a wonderful website, about his life, his decisions and the relationship he has with his grandmother that has guided him every step of his way. He said, I knew my grandmother had a story to tell. Growing up in Caulfield, one of five siblings, Ronan says he was in his teens when he first understood his grandmother, Eva, had an important story. We lived nearby, he said. I would visit every Shabbat, every Friday. And usually during the week as well, we talked about our lives, what was going on during the week. Sometimes as Shabbat was drawing to an end, we were sitting together and she would open up. Eva Slonim showed the tattoo she received in Auschwitz, capital A two seven zero two one. Eva Slonim eighty eight was born Eva Weiss in nineteen thirty one to a religious Jewish family in the Slovakian capital of Bratislava. They were a very successful family. Her father was quite wealthy, but they were arrested and sent to the concentration camp. These things really uh, touched the life of this grandson. He said, one thing that has always stuck in my mind from my grandmother's experience was something her father told her before they were separated to go into hiding. Who knows how long it will be before we can speak to each other, he told her. Every night, look at the stars and speak to them. Tell them your worries. Speak about your day, what's on your mind. And I will also look to the stars and I'll do the same. This way, we'll stay in contact. And Ronan said in his IDF experience, that's what he does every night.
1: Ron, before I let you go, just a question without any notice at all. And uh, as you know, of course, we're on the way to a federal election this coming Saturday. And as we do these stories each week, we're talking about Jewish communities. Uh, We're talking about tensions between Palestinians and the Jews, and of course all of the other groups that are within the Middle East, and uh, it's good to be able to reflect on a story that has that Australian connection there. But I wanted to ask you, and you might have your finger on the pulse when it comes to this, uh, there have been raised with me over the months previous, uh, the idea that there are some Jewish groups in Australia that are even fearful that those that might come to power after the election on Saturday might hold a pro-Palestinian stance and that equates to what many see as an anti-Semitic stance. Any thoughts at all on your sorts of connections, the sorts of things you might hear? About people who might be concerned that there are some parties who are up for election on Saturday that actually do have this pro-Palestinian stance, which really equates to a anti-Semitism. Any thoughts?
0: I've been watching very carefully the the march last weekend in London, uh, which was uh, Jeremy Corbyn inspired. I've been watching the situation in America, where a number of Congress people have spoken openly of their support for the Palestinians and their antithesis towards Israel. I read this morning of an Episcopal church in New York who's uh, uh, invited a preacher to come who has got anti-Semitic background and hates Israel. I think it's something that we need to be very careful of. I, uh, I took a great, uh, great encouragement uh, from Margaret Court, who was saying that we need to support the Christian candidates In this election and I know that there are uh, Christians on both sides of the uh, major factors the major parties the left and the right wing Uh, but I'd be very very careful because uh, I see indications uh, that nobody is hiding that there are very very uh, left-wing policies up, up for grubs in this election and I think we as Christians need to listen to people like Reverend Franklin Graham, who's been telling us to put our faith first and uh, put our trust in the Lord and vote accordingly.
1: It does seem to be a fine line for some, and uh, to jump across that line and to be pro-Palestinian in the way that some people see that uh, really is a note or a, it's a position which becomes anti-Semitic very easily. Ron Ross, always appreciate your insights. Thank you so much for sharing them with us once again today on 2020.
0: Thank you, Neil.